Keller Podcast. I am your host, Tim Keller. It's Mr. Matt Disher over there in Ohio. How are you today, sir? Woke up this morning. Houses are covered in frost. Grass was covered in frost. It's a cold day in Ohio. So I'm hopeful that we have a cold winter. We haven't had a cold winter in a while. I'd like some snow this year. And I know that people will curse me for saying that, but I like the snow. I like the wintertime. Now, I get well, tired of the wintertime once it hits like January, February. Then I'm like, okay, stop it because then it just mercy. rains. And it's, right. I want some sunlight. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's cold here in PA as well. I mean, you know, one state over. So surprise, surprise. But yeah, it was uh, it was in the 30s last night over here in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely that, that shift in uh, in seasons has begun. And with that shift in seasons, obviously we had the uh, the elections yesterday for the local elections and, and governor races and things of that nature. Uh, before we get started, I wanted to I wanted to mention um, Halloween uh, just passed. I know Matt, you said you were scaring some kids. It's actually uh, the day I celebrate my birthday, my personal birthday, and I don't oh. necessarily say I, I celebrate it. There you are. Oh my! Are you Mr. Michael Myers there? I am Michael Myers, and and then this other this other guy showed up trying to scare people too. The scream guy there in the background. Yeah, he just showed up. So yeah, he just showed up, and then he wanted a photo op with me. It was really weird. So we took some pictures together, and his friend was somewhere out there trying to take a picture of us together. But hold on. So happy birthday, first of all. Thank you. How does it feel to be you're finally 21, 22? Uh, actually, actually, I turned 40 on Sunday. Um, Okay. Yeah, I, I I'll say I've officially hit that what I've always considered as a young man old. You yep. know, when I was in my teens, it's like forty five. It's old. It's so yep. old. Uh, you know, I'm five years away from that now. But yeah, I, I guess I always considered anything over forty old. I will say that um, back in late August, I I pulled a muscle in my lower abdomen, um, so I took what two just over two months off from from lifting and exercising to to let that try to heal up. I was feeling some twinges up until about the uh, early part of last week, and I had gone almost a week without any sort of uh, you know, twinge or anything when I moved. So I was like, all right, I'm going to get back into it. Now I'm 40. I got to really work even harder. And um, I'll say I, I did the right thing. I took a lot of weight off the bar. I, I, I kept it light. But then because it was so light, I was like, I'll just go an extra 5, 10 reps. And uh, I'm feeling it today. We'll see how the 40-year-old body does with recovery. Yeah. But, yeah, it was um, – something they had yeah matt that's a that's a great photo you did a great michael myers i also saw another picture maybe it was from a different year was your wife uh dressed up as netflix and you were chill you were in like a bathrobe uh that was netflix and chill that was our that was our adult uh our okay. adult halloween party that we had with our neighbors uh, awesome you know and that was yeah so that's where some of the um some of the costumes get a little bit uh less appropriate for, <laughs> for for sharing not safe for work yeah, yeah gotcha gotcha so yeah simple costume because you know basically what we do is we just dress up and it's it's comfortable i was wearing a t-shirt and shorts and a mm-hmm. robe you yeah. know it, it's comfortable but it was funny yeah you uh who was oh dag on it who was the gentleman that owned playboy uh um you have you have yep yeah uh, you looked like a very poor man's Hugh Hefner, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, that's I mean, that's what it was. That's what it was going for. We we always try to do a play on words, like so. Every Halloween, we do something either pop culture or we do something that you would be aware of. So uh, a couple of years ago, I was dressed as a doctor, and my wife was the operation. You know, the game, the oh, little the game, game that you play, the nice. operation. Yeah, and so she had little bones and organs taped to her shirt, and <laughs> so I walked around with a pair of tongs, and I would, you know. Yeah. Pretend like I was trying to grab the pieces. So 
we've done that. We did back when back when the the show Jersey Shore was on. She Gosh. was Snooky, so she was pregnant, and and she was Snooky, and I was the situation. So I wore this. Um, not not that I don't have the body to do this. But did I you wore spray the, tan? I, I did the six pack. I we did. She did. Okay. Uh, did like really dark makeup on her face. I didn't do any of that, but I spiked <laughs> my hair up, and then I had the body suit that has all the muscles. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I say I, I. Of course, I have the body for that, but I didn't want to show it off. Yeah. It's so cold that day, so. Um, yeah. Hey, you, you gotta hey, have a layer on. Yeah. So hold on, real quick, because uh, uh, Dave Simons popped in to say, uh, "Afternoon, gentlemen. Happy birthday. Happy he's able to tune in." Dave Amish Norris on Facebook. Uh, Dave's been with us a couple of times on yeah. the podcast, so yeah. I uh, appreciate Dave. it, Dave. Yep, ha- happy, happy after Halloween, and happy, uh, happy Marine Corps birthday coming up next week. I was going to and... say, you know, I I said my birthday was on Sunday, Halloween. I don't necessarily love celebrating my birthday, I, I, especially at this age. It's it's just another day. Let's, right. You know, get it over with. It's great. You know, the kids say happy birthday. They give you a hug. All those good things. Right. Um, I never so... ask for anything, but because. In another seven days, seven we're seven days yeah. away. It's the it's the birthday I like to celebrate. It's the Marine Corps birthday in seven days, November tenth, seventeen seventy five. It's Hunt the biggest Tavern, holiday Philadelphia, of the year. Pennsylvania. Yeah, you know? it's the biggest holiday of the year. People it's, are over here like Thanksgiving and Christmas. Christmas decorations have been up in lows now for yeah. for months. I'm like, well, yeah, where's yeah, the before where's Halloween? The Marine Corps? I, yeah, I was a week before Halloween. I was in Home Depot, and not one Halloween you know, yard display or decoration was still out. It was all Christmas trees and Christmas lights. I'm like, oh, I mean, good God, are we pushing this a little too hard? Yeah. But yeah, uh, it, it is such a big holiday, the Marine Corps birthday, that they give us Marines a recovery day the next day. It's called Veterans Day. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yep. That's absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's, it's it, such it, a big day. They're like, you know yeah. what? We're going to give you guys the next day as well, just to, you know, get back into the swing of things. Yep. So Next so, Wednesday, so- it's going to be fun. I've I've got the image and I'm trying to pull it up here. I've got the image that you had uh that I think you put up on our Facebook page and this was oh yes yes the, the one where here it comes it's the, it's the Batman, good old Batman, Batman and Batman, Robin right? yeah yeah try, time to post about Thanksgiving and Christmas and it's Batman I I'm sorry Robin doesn't even get Christmas out of his mouth yeah. and Batman slapping him saying saying Marine Corps birthday first absolutely right Absolutely so, right. Let's not jump ahead of ourselves, everybody. It's right. not quite Thanksgiving season we're, yet. We're not there. And, it is and Veterans Day, birthday is the day after the Marine Corps birthday. And then we'll go so. to Thanksgiving. Right. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, anyway, uh, yeah, for Thanksgiving, or I'm sorry, for, for, for Halloween, it was fun because I I go out and I terrify children uh, that walk around in the street. And I drag a metal shovel behind me on the concrete and it makes this god-awful noise. And... It's funny because even the teenagers and the older, the tweens, the kids who have grown up in this neighborhood, and they see me every year doing this. They think they're all tough. They're like, I'm not afraid of you until they start walking up. And then I'll just sort of like stare them down. And, and as you know, Tim, I'm, I'm six foot four. So when I put on this costume and my, my boiler suit and this mask, to many of these kids, I'm, I'm towering over them. Mm-hmm. And then they're not sure who I am. And it's mm-hmm. funny to watch them sort of you uh, see them question themselves in their own yeah they're they're like you're not you're not scary and then they they hurriedly walk away from me and i start following i'll follow them up the sidewalk and on the street and stuff like that Uh, the cops also rolled past the police always roll through the neighborhood with their lights on handing out candy and uh i wish i had it on camera because as the police officer was rolling down the street i 
uh, was staring down a kid and I dropped my shovel and put my hands up in the air and he got on his intercom and said, always a good idea to drop the shovel. <laughs> so it's nice. It's nice when they play along. Yep. Carleen nice. Mullins. Thanks for y'all's service. Thank you, Carleen. Thanks for tuning in today on Facebook. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll also say, uh, you know, being 40 now, the mind's already slipping. The wife sent me a message. Uh, hey, can you stop and, and grab up, uh, grab some groceries? She said Walmart. She went to the regular grocery store uh, two days ago. Apparently, they didn't have some things she was looking for. So she put a secondary order in through Walmart, hoping they would have it. Um, completely um, said, yeah, absolutely. I'll grab it on my way home. Went to the grocery store because that's normally where I go. I, I go to our local grocer. And um, yeah, I got in. I started to dial the number to let them know, hey, I'm out here in spot, whatever. And uh, realized, yeah, I'm at the wrong store. So <laughs> I've done that. Had to had to uh, turn the turn the truck back on and drive over to Walmart instead, and uh, yeah, when I got over to Walmart, then the phone wanted to freeze up. Yeah, you know, tech technology's bypassed me. I don't know how to work anything anymore. I'm right, getting stuff. I'm sore. God. Like, yeah, and you're banging on your phone, and you're yeah. it, it's, you feel you start to feel like your parents. I love the uh, I love the commercials, the insurance commercials. Like, try not to be your parents. Yes, I do. I realize little things like that. My son will be playing video games. My mom would always yell at me when I was playing video games. She'd be like, oh, what program are you playing? Or get off that program. And I'm like, mom, it's not a program. It's a game. Stop calling it a program. I don't know where you got that word, but that's not what it is. And now I'm starting to do the same thing. Was uh, she wrong, not, though? Was she wrong? She's in, like, a computerized program? Computerized program. Sure. And I understand because, like, her, you know, growing up in, in her day, it was mm-hmm. computer computer programs. and mm-hmm. And that's what they were. But then suddenly we're on Nintendo and we called them games. And I'm like, eh, you're saying program and using these. So now my son is watching YouTube and I'm like, stop watching the videos. And he's like, oh, stupid. They're not videos. It's YouTube. And I'm like, okay, like now yeah. I'm old. Now I'm yeah. saying things that I shouldn't be saying. <laughs> so, yes, yes. Uh, it, it's going to get us all. One day it will get you all. Father time is undefeated. Um, so let's 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 jump into some news here. Uh, Matt, you and I were kicking back and forth some articles uh, earlier today. Um, I wanted to start with one of yours. Uh, you know, when you first sent it to me, I just immediately replied based off the headline, fake news. Right. Uh, and then once I got into it, yeah, I was, dang, maybe man, maybe it's right. Uh, but the the article here is from Sky News, which is a uh, European publication. The Royal Marine Commandos force U.S. Marine troops to surrender in a training exercise. So there was a uh, training exercise being done out in 29 Palms, California, uh, between the Royal Marines, as well as some uh, other allied forces uh, versus some U.S. troops to see, you know, just just keep everybody sharp, everything like that. I I know I participated in one of these years and years ago. We didn't surrender back then either. Um, So the the minister, uh, Ministry of Defense explained that the battle exercise was a testing development uh, for the new group the lrg group that the uh the royal marines have established uh, is a group specialized for guerrilla warfare uh, guerrilla war fighting facility on the west coast of america um, and it was going up against some well-armed united states marines uh yeah matt sharing the article there during the first five days of the exercise uh, it was a culmination of two months of training in the mojave desert with the u.s marines the marines have asked for a reset after the green berets dominated the battle reported the daily telegraph um, you know, Matt, I, I joked a little bit before we went live. It doesn't mention which unit the right. Marine Corps sent out there to train with. Now, obviously, right. I was not in an infantry unit. I was a, a combat engineer. 
Uh, I did participate in, in an operation very, very similar to this years and years and years ago. So, uh, you know, I joked and said, maybe whatever admin unit the, these, these Royal Marines were participating against needs to go home. Let's send in the fifth Marines. Let's see uh, something changes there. Send so, so the box so company two one. Yeah, and, you know, and, and no, I'm not trying happens. to take away from the Romans. Yeah, no. Well, it, uh, you know, a couple of things that come to mind. One, I trained with the with the Royal Marines, the British Royal Marines. Uh, I I met some of those people when I was in England. Actually, my brother was stationed in England in the U.S. Navy, and so I got to meet some of those people. I got to saw some of their. I got to see some of their advertising that they would do in magazines and on TV, and it looks pretty grueling. You know, in, in the U.S. Marine Corps, we do 13 weeks at Paris Island or San Diego. For boot camp and these guys were doing twice or three times that and making food out of earthworms and tree bark and stuff like that so i did some training with these guys in in 29 palms at one point in time and they were a rough group of dudes i mean they were probably more resourceful in some cases than you know what we had trained to be i don't know you know one of the benefits of the u.s marines is you have that combined arms capability you can call in support you have overwhelming firepower you have superior training and equipment and things like that but the royal marines are right there uh, i would say that they are in some to some extent are equivalent uh, overseas the other thing i will mention is that i did some mount training some urban warfare training at mount town at camp pendleton not related to the british royal marines but the israeli idf mm. and they were just a handful of those guys versus a couple of squads of us and they were rocking and rolling us yeah, I was yeah. gonna say those boys. Those boys are serious. They don't mess around, and they, yeah. I think it's because I mean, every day for them is is practical training. It's it's they're living in that reality in many cases, and so those guys weren't weren't messing around. They knew exactly what they were doing. Who knows? Maybe we showed up to to be the op four in that operation, and uh, it, and they didn't tell us that their elite special operations group showed up, but they just looked like normal dudes to us. Uh, we did another training exercise with with the with the Marine recon guys when I was just, you know, they pulled up the handful of us out of the engineer battalion and we went out to do some mount training with, uh, with the Marine recon guys. And we put a hurting on them, but they, uh, they cleared the building and, and made quick work of us too. So urban warfare is no joke. If you're in the defense, it's very easy to, to kill your opposition forces. It's very easy. So like the rule was seven to one. You, if you have one bad guy in a building, you send in seven troops. Mm. That was the rule that we learned because one guy in a hallway can take out seven of you. And so the idea was you want to have such overwhelming force clearing a building that uh, it's the same way that a SWAT team operates, the same way that urban warfare training in the military works. Yeah, because you're trying to take care of somebody that's uh, planted in there. They, they, have the, uh, they have the facility locked down. They have their place enforced and, and you have to go us past that yeah uh again dave comes back uh two seven fighting fox stationed in 29 uh yeah i i do know that was that was a thing when when my group got sent out there to uh play in 29 palms uh some of the local marines that were stationed there in 29 palms like, why don't they use us yeah this is our base but yeah not everybody nope. uh it's just one of those hey th this unit has nothing going on uh for the next four weeks let's send them out there and uh let them play but, right. Yeah. I had an article that I brought up um, off of uh, military.com. What what comes next after fitness, motivation and discipline? So essentially, this article is kind of talking about uh, starts off talking about your fitness goals uh, require long term success. So you can start a, a 
exercise program, but it's it's about building healthy habits that last and and become, you know, an everyday routine for you. And it transitions into talking about how the same thing goes for your, you know, your post-military career. Uh, what comes after things like fitness, motivation, and discipline, it's grit, resilience, it's heart and passion. And taking these lessons you learned in the military and transitioning these into real world uh, careerism and find and, and helping them, you know, be successful in life in your journey past the military. Uh, I'm not going to go deep into the article. I just thought this was a good article. If you're listening or watching this, uh, I would implore you to go find this article, give it a good read. I think there's some uh, good tips in here for you. Uh, and then Matt wanted to jump back over to you. Uh, with a wink and a nod, Japan has a new aircraft carrier once again. So, yeah, you mentioned this before uh, we went live. Japan is not a militar militarized country anymore. They are a pacifist com country, and that that's written into their constitution over there. So let's talk about how did they get away with getting an aircraft carrier? You know, it's interesting. Yeah, so they do. They have a, a pacifist constitution, which mm -hmm. was instituted after World War II. Uh, and this happens, uh, you know, I would say that a handful of countries instituted something similar. I know that, uh, and I'm going to trip all over myself, but I know that following World War II, Germany instituted something similar. Not a pacifist constitution, but more along the lines of if ever they as a country engage or encounter uh, humanitarian crises that they will intervene uh, because of what was caused as a result of World War II. And so I believe that that's the same or similar thing that happened with, with Japan. It was just part of the agreement. You know, if you look at the, the world right now, if you look at what's happening, uh, Japan's neighbors are not always the friendliest people. And Japan is, in many cases, I mean, they have a defense force, but they're relying on our alliance as well and the alliance of other neighboring countries, friendly friendly countries such as ourselves, to protect them. And and I'm not going to say that they can't protect themselves, but at the end of the day, when you have a neighbor like China, who uh, you know is consistently expanding its borders, or North Korea, which is not far away, and I remember mm -hmm. being stationed in Japan when, when you and I were together, there was a threat at one point that North Korea said, well, we'll just fire a nuclear missile right over Japan, and, and we'll just do it without even thinking about it. That was That was terrifying to me. But my thought was even more terrifying. What if the Marines weren't here? What if the U.S. Navy wasn't here? Mm -hmm. Japan would not be able to sustain itself against the sustained combat. So, yeah, actually, um, you know, they mentioned that they've had, you know, air quotes here, aircraft carriers, but they were they were fitted to transport helicopters for defense purposes. Um, now they refitted these these aircraft carriers to. Uh, what does it say here? To for U.S. built F-35B Lightning fighters, so they are actually uh, retrofitting, you know, former ships that were built for helicopters to carry U.S. built planes. And it says in the article in an increasingly urgent effort to counter the growing Chinese sea power. So uh, you you brought them up, mentioned that their neighbors right there aren't always the nicest, and that they constantly have to try to keep a lookout. You know, over there, and it's there, it's a good thing that we're we're sitting there, you know, right, helping them out. Well, then we've got a lot of forces occupying. We've got a lot of forces sitting there. In uh, I wouldn't I shouldn't use the word occupying because that's not it. But we have we have forces occupying bases there, 
in Japan and the surrounding areas for that reason, just to, to, to be able to broadcast a little bit of defense power in that part of the world. But it, frankly, how many years past World War II are we? They, when they instituted that constitution, it has to change at some point in time. And especially with the growing threat or growing acknowledgement of potential threat, you have to be prepared. Every country realistically should have the means to defend itself or keep the fight off of its own doorstep. Yeah. Uh, and speaking about some of uh, Japan's neighbors, one of the articles I pulled up uh, was again off military.com Pentagon rattled by Chinese military push on multiple fronts. Uh, so we've talked about China multiple times over the past few months, but this article talks about China's growing military muscle and its drive to end America's predominance in the Asia Pacific is rattling the U.S. defense establishment. Um, so General John Hyten, uh, the number two ranking U.S. military officer, is quoted as saying, the pace at which China is moving is absolutely stunning. Um, General John Hyten used to command the U.S. nuclear forces and oversaw the, uh, the Air Force space operations. So uh, there was a test China did uh, on a hypersonic weapon capable of partially orbiting the Earth before re-entering the atmosphere and gliding on a maneuverable path to its position, to its target, I'm sorry. Uh, the weapon system is designed and is meant to evade the U.S. missile defenses. Uh, Beijing has insisted that it was only testing a reusable space vehicle and not a missile, but the test has startled U.S. officials. Um, you know, for now, officials marvel at how Beijing is marshalling the resources, technology, and political will make rapid gains, uh, so rapid that the Biden administration is attempting to reorientate orientate all aspects of U.S. foreign and defense policy. So, yeah, this has been something that obviously has been, you know, in the back of our minds now for probably 20, 25 years. Uh, China has just been pushing and pushing and pushing the envelope. Um, it seems like, obviously, they're, they're starting to not only gain ground on us, probably push beyond uh, where we're currently at. Well, if you look at if you look at our priorities, and this is not meant to be a political statement, if you look at our traditional societal governmental priorities as a country, if you pull back from national defense or you pull back from technology around defense and you pull back from other things related and and start pushing more money and funding into other things that don't progress that, at some point you hit critical mass and you simply cannot do more technological advancement. I'd say this, though, China is doing what we did back in the 80s, 70s, 80s, you know, progressing that that whole thing. We, we did this with Russia back in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s. You know, it was this this space race. It was who can get to the moon first. I'm actually watching a series on Apple TV about that right now. It's mm. what if the space race didn't go the way we that it really did historically. It's kind of interesting to see how that in a fictional way, how that unfolded, we were we were racing, spending millions or billions of dollars to try to get to the moon. And for what, you know, so here we are posturing with other countries. We're posturing with who can have these cool weapons. Uh, I'll tell you this. It would be devastating if you look at this realistically for both countries, if China and America were to go to war with each other. And I'm not talking about the world devastation, <laughs> right? It would be uh, you got to think about this. Two major economies, two major producers of goods, the, the, the two effectively, the two world powers mm -hmm. going toe to toe in all out warfare. First of all, I don't know who would come to who. That would be a disaster trying to get to the other guy anyway. 
Yeah. Uh, the Pacific would be a mess. Right. It would be right. And we and we have this is probably the weapons that, that we're developing or that we have. It's it prevents the other guy from landing on the other guy's shores. But yeah. then at any rate, if anybody showed up to anybody else's property, you got tens of millions, hundreds of millions of armed Americans, and then seven percent of our whole population has served in the military. That's mm-hmm. and, and they might have something similar, but same thing works there. If we go over there, which we probably wouldn't, would be a silly thing for us to do. Uh, it, it it ends up being just a catastrophic thing. Now, yeah. what's more realistic is, you know, economical warfare. It's who can hack the other guy. Who can, in this case, we watched a virus. There's speculation on where it came from, how it originated, how it started. But you've seen that shut the world down. Mm-hmm. You know, and now it's causing other supply chain issues and economical issues, inflation. Governments are taking more control than probably some people are comfortable with them taking. You name it. There's all these these after effects, but effectively, that's how you. That's how those are different examples of how you win a war without having a war. Uh, the other thing could be a proxy war. It could be a war fought on somebody else's territory. You know that there's that conversation around. Uh, you know, China's disputing who Taiwan belongs to, and Taiwan mm-hmm. is like, "Hey, we're our own country. We don't belong to you." And China's like, "Well, you do belong to us." There's there's that kind of thing happening too. So. At any rate, fire all the missiles you want to, test all the equipment you want to. We're doing the same thing. It's just that if it came down to it, the war would be catastrophic. This wouldn't yeah. be this wouldn't be conflict like we've had for the, the past handful of years against, you know, effectively non-entities with non-standing militaries. You know, this would be millions of people going toe to toe. Yeah. And you, you kind of brought this up a uh, second ago, but uh, General Milley, uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, said this was very close to being a Sputnik moment. So let's try to spin this in a positive light. Let's a lot of innovation, a lot of really, really useful technology came out of that Cold War oh, race yeah. we had with the Russians over that, you know, four decade span. In a positive manner, this could spur a lot of the same things. If China looks at us as we have to get in front of them, they're they're, you know, these these crazy Americans, they're gonna try to take over the globe. And we look at China and say, Well, if they're in a race with us, we're gonna be in a race with them. There could definitely be some technological advances that that make the world hopefully a better place coming from this. Potentially, right. you know, well, there it, there is a positive way to spin it. There, if you look at a lot of the technological advances we have on a day to day basis, a lot of those things either started with or came from or were advanced through military technology. Mm-hmm. So, jet aircraft. I'm sure somebody could say, well, there was being applied in a civilian capacity. Yeah, but it was being sped up. Through the through through World War II, for example, it was it was getting dollars and funding and scientific engineering behind it. I would venture to say that a lot of the things we use on a day to day basis. I'll use GPS as an example. When I was in the Marine Corps, we had the plugger. It's this thing the size of I don't even know how to explain it. It's uh, it was probably one foot by one foot with a satellite antenna on it, and and you could get your GPS coordinates off of it, which you would then have to coordinate with a five or a ten digit grid on a on an actual terrain map. And you'd have to do that manually. And I had my own little Garmin version of that, but there was no such thing as GPS in your car, for example. It didn't exist back then. And so now we have global positioning satellites. We can drop bombs on people's laps. I mean, literally, quite literally, you can drop a bomb on somebody's lap. But the civilian application of that is you've got bulldozers that can effectively drive themselves or farming equipment that can effectively drive themselves or cars like Tesla. Uh, that can drive itself down the highway through 
That's not all GPS, but a lot of it is. There's the GPS systems. There's there's all this. So you you have the ability to turn, yeah, absolutely, some of the negatives into positives. Could you imagine, though, and I'm going to sound again like probably what the, the hippies of the 1960s and 70s sounded like. Could you imagine if we would take all this money and all of this posturing and turn it into something productive? Clean up the oceans. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, and roll over, which a, uh, a member of the UN said that, that uh, Elon Musk could do. And uh, Elon immediately fired back. I would gladly sell off all my shares of Tesla at about $6 billion if you can essentially give me itemized receipts as to how my money's yeah. going to be spent and how it will effectively end world hunger. Right. And that immediately shut everything down. It's, so. it, it's amazing that we, we have these grand strategies. I mean, there are literally plans sitting in, in hard drives somewhere about how we would invade this country, that country, how we would logistically support sustained conflict overseas in X, Y, and Z. But I guarantee you there's not a plan about, to your point, Tim, how Elon Musk takes $6 billion and turn it into a world hunger uh, solution. Yeah. Somebody somebody says it anecdotally. And we do that a lot on social media. People are going out there and going, well, if we did this differently, we could solve all the problems. Well, sure. If, okay, if, yeah. Right. Right. Let's, you have to hire people. You have to pay people. It takes money. People don't work for free in a lot of cases. Some people do. But a lot of people don't work for free. You're not going to have the best minds in the world going... All right, well, how do we take that $6 billion? You know what I'd love to see, though, on that topic? I would love to see somebody actually sit down and come up with a a solutionable plan. The problem is that you run into the human element, and that is that, you know, if you go backwards in time, and not that it was a, it was a, it was a human-created humanitarian crisis. If you go back to what happened in Mogadishu, you know, the, the movie Black Hawk Down was based on, on these goings-on, and then you know, U.S. military action therein. That was a humanitarian crisis caused over like warlords trying to control the city, which effectively caused us and the U.N. to go in and try to feed people. That was a hunger issue caused by warring factions. Mm-hmm. Could you take $6 billion and somehow quell the the, the natural happening of, of world hunger? Sure, you could find a way to feed people and help people farm is... Something like what happened in Mogadishu, a result of people having limited resources. In other words, had we taken $6 billion and solved world hunger, would the warlords ever have any control? Hmm. Or would we would we still run into this this idea that, like, I mean, could, if we took $6 billion from Elon Musk and took it to North Korea and said, hey, we want to feed all your people who are starving because they're starving there. Mm-hmm. Would Kim Jong-un let us in? Probably no. not. Right. Yeah. And, and so then you can't you can't solve it without. Having a, a much larger strategic, everybody has to be on the same page. Yeah, and we're not. We're pointing missiles at each other. Yeah, yeah. You can end uh, theoretically end world hunger, but the world has to be on board, and that that's the hard part. You're never going to solve because you know somebody's going to fight for oil or for right. diamonds or for gold or something. Somebody's going to want and control of something. Yeah, for thousands of years, people have been fighting over resources and mm-hmm. and ideology. That's the other thing. It, it's it's we see this every day on social media. It's it's political control. It's you could get everybody on the same page, and one of the two sides or one of the three sides will go in there and try to cause some sort of problem that didn't exist in the first place, so that they are able to potentially downplay the other side. And that happens day in and day out. It's it's this idea that one side's better than the other all the time, and, and we're kind of blind to that. I think it's it's kind of like when your football team doesn't get a penalty called on it. I've used this analogy before. Your football team doesn't get a penalty called on it. We clearly committed a penalty. Mm-hmm. 
you're okay with that because you're like, well, that's my team. I want them to win. Yeah. The Thank other God team, they missed that one. Right. But yeah. then when the other team gets a penalty missed, you're like, whoa. Why oh, come on, ref. Screw it up. Come on. The refs are stupid. The same thing happens in politics. Like my people can be corrupt and they can make all the bad choices and, and whatever. But but when the other side does that, I'm going to ignore my side doing it. But when the other side does it, I'm going to make sure everybody knows the same yeah. thing is happening. That's why we couldn't take $6 billion of Elon Musk's money, which he would quote unquote happily sell off stock and provide if somebody came up with a with a with an open source financial plan. Yeah. Why we couldn't do it because people won't play ball. You know, uh, to get a little off topic here, a little go off the rails, I just wanted to say, I think the world could benefit greatly from more people with a similar mindset to Elon Musk. Oh, right. I mean, the, the man's attempting to, <clears throat> you know, push the frontiers of space exploration. He's attempting to change our reliance on fossil fuels with the Tesla vehicles um, to, to the point where you know, the batteries that he had created and, and his engineers had created have open copyrights on them. Mm-hmm. So anybody can go ahead and, and, and look at these uh, designs on these batteries. And he said, listen, if you can beat my batteries, <clears throat> I'll gladly buy my battery. I'll buy my batteries for my vehicles off of you. Right. Now you have to, A, you know, be successful at creating batteries that can beat his. They have to be, you know, green they, they, they can't be uh, worse off for the environment in their production methods than tesla currently has the entire idea is to push those boundaries and create more innovation yeah in a safe and sustainable way and i think that's the reality i, I think that's an awesome mindset i don't think too many people uh, that are sitting in positions like him are willing to say listen this is everything i'm doing currently i would love if somebody could come out here and and beat me right so and 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 you know one day maybe we'll have him on the podcast here that'd be great elon if you're listening we'd love to have you on the show i know we turned you down last time the schedule didn't work out for us but (laughs) you're banging on the door all the time uh we just didn't we didn't have time to 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 formulate a really good plan as you have asked for yeah and that's Uh, that's why he ended up going to rogan right but but he you know i think you're absolutely right tim he doesn't seem to, and I'm sure that there are politics. There's always politics. In, in, in and what I mean by politics is you always have to play the sides of what's happening in current events in the world. You always have to play those sides. But he also does seem like the kind of person, you know, he's been very fortunate to make a lot of money off some really good investments and business ideas, and he's using those things for the, the greater good. And are there some politics involved? Sure. But he's also kind of got this attitude, like just get out of my way and we're going to keep moving. It doesn't matter what the critics say. It doesn't matter what the stock prices are saying. And again, on the behind closed doors, it does matter. All that stuff does matter. You don't run a, a multi-billion dollar business. You don't get rich without playing the part, right? Without mm-hmm. playing the sides and, and working with your board of directors and working with politicians and having lobbyists, et cetera, et cetera. However, I do feel like when people have challenged him, instead of playing the same old game that everybody always plays and they try to jump on one side or the other. He's just kind of like, get out of my way. We're doing this. Like, I'll give you $6 billion if you come up with a plan. And I would bet to an extent that if that ever came to fruition, he probably would do something like that, you know, because it would, uh, it's, it's a benefit of, of the greater good. And I think he would, I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, great, great person. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, this this generation that's coming up behind him 
uh, can follow his lead and hopefully we get more people of similar mindsets in, in positions yep. of power. But yep. You never know. Uh, yeah, the last article I had pulled up was uh, a revisit to Afghanistan. Looks like uh, as of November 2nd, the article was posted in Kabul. An explosion rocked Afghanistan's capital Tuesday, apparently targeting civilians in front of a military hospital. Uh, this is coming from a Taliban spokesperson. There was an explosion that targeted civilians outside of a military hospital. There has not been any information on the casualties, and he did not confirm a second explosion. There were sounds of two explosions, but the second explosion has not been confirmed at this time. Um, it's as, about as far as the article goes. Um, but yeah, this is exactly what I think we didn't want to see. Uh, you know, we're two months removed from you know, us leaving that area of the world uh, as far as, you know, a, a solid military presence is concerned. And this is exactly what I, I know I was concerned with happening, that uh, once the Taliban got back into power, we'd start seeing things like this happen. Um, and the fact that the Taliban is coming out and say that, um, you know, this they're the ones making these comments. They're the ones putting these, these news blurbs out. Um, that's not a good thing. It's definitely not a good thing. And the fact that it's targeting civilians, um, I would imagine that means that certain civilians are um, possibly protesting. Right. And that that's not what we want to see here at all. I would bet that like any other place, when there's a void of control or a void of power, a void of who's in charge, you suddenly have the most aggressive faction comes in and tries to gain that power. And mm -hmm. as we know, you know, setting off bombs and groups of people that's considered terrorism and terrorism's purpose is to, you know, politically persuade or to, to persuade politically through fear and, you know, aggregation of conflict to get people to lean one way or the other. And in some parts of the world, you you simply can take control by saying, well, if you don't comply, we'll just kill you or, or we'll keep doing stuff like this or mm -hmm. our guys are tougher than your guys or we have more guns than you do. Uh, so I, I would bet that that's probably a lot of what's happening. You know, Tim, we had some some voting and elections here mm -hmm. uh, across the United States just yesterday, the finality of some of those. This is something that I posted on Facebook. People around the world have been fighting and dying for generations upon generations, for, for thousands of years to have not even control necessarily, but what we would call maybe a democratic process. People could be included and in, in being able a to have a fair election process. Right, right. And so, and, and, and we are a country that stands for that. Mm -hmm. uh, some people might argue that we've had some, you know, faults in our own election system. Sure. Have we found kinks in the, in the uh, have we found kinks in the hose? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's not a perfect system. However, people fight and die for that kind of thing. People mm -hmm. are killing each other literally around the world. I, I posted this on Facebook yesterday because ours here locally, it was a local election. We weren't voting for a governor like Virginia was. We weren't mm -hmm. voting for, I wasn't voting for the president, obviously. We're not there yet. We're not voting in a midterm election right now. What we are, what we voted for here was uh, a new junior high school in my community, a levy that will pass some funding that along with state funding will give us a new junior high school. And we post, we, we were doing some elections for some school board members, trustees, judges, things like that. Mm -hmm. And the argument is that for local elections, 25 to 30 percent of people show up for local mm -hmm. elections. And then there's some other number like 50 to 60 to 75 percent of Americans show up for presidential elections. My argument here is 
your local election has more impact, you will see more results from your local elections, your local and regional elections. When you elect a new governor or or in some cases a congressman, which really could be argued that's on a federal level, trustees, county commissioners, that impacts your schools, your fire department, your police department, your roads, how your courts work, how your courts don't work, how crime and punishment works, how mm-hmm. how fast the fire department can get to you, the level of education that your teachers have, the level of maintenance that your school buildings have, all of that impacts your day-to-day. That's what people need to be involved with, yet yeah. a fraction, one-fourth of people actually show up to vote for that. But we will show up to go cast a vote for president. And a lot of that's because the, the media has made us think that well, I really need to be involved in who the president is. My argument would be most people don't really see an effect day-to-day mm-hmm. from that federal-level election. Most people don't don't see that. And presidents will change hands. Congress people will change hands. Local elections will change hands as well, but the the impact of local elections are are sooner. And I can't grasp my I can't wrap my head around other than media and advertisements why we just simply don't show up to go vote. Yeah, I was I was gonna if you didn't go there, I was gonna say it's the fact that for six to eight months leading up to the presidential election, you are constantly just pound over the head, be it on on radio, be it on TV. Just election talk, election talk, election talk. It's all the news cycles about for, you know, six months leading up to the presidential elections, whereas the local elections don't get nearly the same amount of coverage. Uh, right. You might have your local news channels discussing a, a little bit about some candidates in the area. But like you mentioned, uh, you know, they're, they're talking about school members. Local uh, news stations don't have the time to talk about all, you know, 50 plus schools uh in in the in the area that they cover right all the different school board members that are up there but yeah these are the ones uh for for as far as school board members go they are the people that are going to make decisions to try to go after state funding for new schools or Mm -hmm. a new sports facility or you know um we're going to try to change some things about the lunch and the food we're serving the kids but that is stuff that my children my direct uh, children are going to have to um live with Right. And, you know, their education depends on it, their their ability for extracurricular activities, the food they're going to eat in classes, what sort of courses are offered. Right. Um, directly uh, impact my children, which, you know, also impacts me. Right. Things like your local mayor, your judges, uh, the local lawmakers. These are people that will directly affect your everyday life. And these are the very, very important elections that I, I wish you know, I don't know the exact numbers, but yeah, your your numbers you were spitting out there, Matt, I do believe are very close. Uh, you're getting 20 to 30 percent of the voting population out for these local elections yep. that truly affect your life versus, you know, the big number comes in another two years when the presidential elections back up. Our 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 big thing here was, again, that junior high school getting funding for that, which is uh, effectively most people will probably see another 12 or 15 dollars a month mm-hmm. in their in their in their taxes. My equivalency to that was, hey, that's a 12-pack of beer, or if you smoke, that's a, apparently a pack and a half of cigarettes these days, because uh, cigarettes are, I didn't realize, somebody had to correct me. I was like, aren't cigarettes still like $4? No, they're like 10 bucks or something. Uh, it's it's a small price to pay, and the, the picture is bigger here. And This was one of the arguments, because I was in favor of this new high school, this new junior high school. One of the big arguments that I put forth was that... When you have improved schools, you improve the quality of your teachers, the teachers that are attracted to come work at those schools. You can't do that with old rundown buildings or the ceiling tiles are collapsing and things like that. 
And that affects whether or not a lot of arguments came from people who were saying, well, I don't have kids in the school district. I don't care anymore. I shouldn't have to pay for this. Fine. Let's say you're 75 years old. Your kid, you're an empty nester. Your kids are out. Kids are on their own. What better schools do is attracts it attracts a a, a more middle class community. It attracts right. higher earners. It attracts a more diverse population who is looking for better schools. More diverse populations, just like more diverse teams, typically operate better versus a non diverse group of people. You get. Better police departments, better fire departments, better communities attract better service members, uh, uh, public service members, police, fire, road crews, trustees, et cetera, et cetera. It's not just about paying for a new school and whether or not you agree with a new school or whether or not you agree with the person who's running for school board. It's more about the, the culminating events of all these things turn your community into what I think everybody wa- everybody's community wants to be, and that is like having some restaurants and having some nice facilities, some nice stores, some nice school buildings, good teachers, good leadership. Uh, other people around the country or around the area are attracted to come live there because and improve that community. Uh, better schools mean that more parents are involved in sports and fundraising, et cetera, et cetera. I've heard a couple of arguments to the contrary. People are like, well, I don't want that. I don't want to become this big community that has now has all this traffic and stuff like that i'm like well that's not us we're we don't have space for that yeah but what we do have space for is yeah a better community of better schools and better public services so it's it's just kind of interesting to me it's uh i don't think we get the chance to talk about that and and frankly i think it's kind of like i found myself last night rooting for the uh for the atlanta braves throughout the entire world series they're not even they're not even my team. It's not even local to me. However, I, I ended up rooting for this team because A, I was made to feel like I needed to root for this team. And I think that's the same thing that happens in like a presidential election. It's mm-hmm. like, go take a side. This is the biggest thing happening. You need to watch it. You need to pay attention. You need to take a side. Show up and vote or else. Right. Yeah. And it's it's kind of interesting. I, I I'll be honest, I saw your posts uh while watching the game last night. Um and you know, you were rooting for the Braves as a uh Philadelphia sports fan, I am contractually obligated to dislike the Atlanta Braves. Mm. Uh, but based off of prior history with the uh, Houston Astros and some yeah. of their shenanigans, I don't necessarily love that team either. And I'll say it's been long enough that, you know what, good on the Braves. Right. Good on the Braves for, well, for getting that W in the World Series. It was good for them. And, but Matt, they're, they're the underdog, too. Yeah, and, yeah. and then my son is sitting here. My son is 10, and he's really involved in baseball. He yeah. hates the Astros. So and naturally, I can't, for the reasons yeah. you said. I can't. I, I'm just on board with him. I'm like, in your right, face, you kid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. Uh, but, yeah, Matt, you guys should be uh, cheering for that orange and black. Cincinnati Bengals are looking good this year. Hopefully we 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 keep it together. Uh, we've had some rough years, but we've had some mystic Bengals fan. We we've just had. It's been really hard. I've been. I was a pretty diehard fan for a long time, and it's just really hard. My brother was like he always called himself the number one Bengals fan. Mm-hmm. He, he moved down to South Florida at one point in time, made himself a video on Facebook where he was throwing away all of his Bengals gear because he was. He's like, I'm done. A lot of it was the ownership and the lack of management. It was mm-hmm. like the owner didn't want to, Mike Brown did not want to win. Mm-hmm. And that was people would, were, were buying billboards here in Cincinnati. They were they were buying billboards that said Mike Brown, hire a general manager or Mike Brown, fire yourself. Because basically it was like he wants to own this te- this team that Paul mm-hmm. Brown, Paul Brown, you know, who Paul Brown was. Yeah, so created. Yeah. 
and and he got he inherited this and just hasn't run it very well. Mm-hmm. And we well, to, to this day, Cincinnati has the smallest scouting department of all thirty-two NFL teams. So. Yeah, I They're see. I didn't not, know that. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me though. So, so we're having uh, Cincinnati. Having, if you're looking for scouts, I'll, I'll yeah, Tim, Tim Keller at yeah Tim Keller at timkeller.com. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I we're having a hard time as a Cincinnati. Cincinnati's having a hard time as a sports as a sports nation anyway. I mean, the Reds did okay this year. They have their on and offs. The Bengals are historically on and off. We've been to the playoffs a handful of times in the last 10 years, but we never get past that first game. Uh, we have a new we have a new uh, uh, soccer team. FC Cincinnati has a new right. stadium downtown, so that's kind of cool. We have Major League Soccer now. Uh, they were really good, and then apparently they're kind of struggling a little bit now. I don't really watch them, but yeah, you see the UC Bearcats yeah. versus Cincinnati. They're doing really well this year. They were number two in the nation. They they lost uh, they lost the game a few weeks back, but yeah, yep. uh, got yep. a heck of a quarterback there. The Bearcats yep. do so. So yeah, you know it's it's not easy being a Cincinnati sports fan, but every once in a while, like it's it's like one all of them drop down, and then one rises to the top, and then mm-hmm. it moves, and then like next year the Reds will be really good, and the Bengals will. Uh, hopefully rise to the top at some point. We'll I, I will say that one of my um, one of my favorite sports writers, uh, Chris Wessling, is from the Cincinnati area. Uh, he he recently passed away uh, after a battle with uh, cancer. Um, but he was, you know, his whole family is, is a bunch of brothers. They all grew up loving the Bengals. And he famously uh, created a dossier of why he was divorcing himself from the Cincinnati Bengals after years and years and years of suffering. Just it was populated with newspaper clippings from local from local newspapers and national publications. Uh, you know, he had links to to videos of just the, the worst possible things you'd think of for a football team. And yeah, it was a reason of, hey, I grew up. I spent 30 years following and investing emotion and time into this. And I absolutely refuse to give them another second of my time or my yeah. emotion. Um, you know, and that it. it according to him, it freed him up to love the game itself, which right. I thought was a beautiful thing. You know, he, he absolutely loved the game. He wanted for so long, nothing more than his team that played that game to find success. Um, and it just wasn't to be, I, you know, and I think that's kind of a metaphor for, for us as a country, you know, I yeah. absolutely, absolutely love this country. Uh, you know, at one point in my life, I went and signed a dotted line that said I would give up absolutely everything I had up to and including my life right. to defend what I thought this country was about. And I still do. I still absolutely love this country. And to me, you know, yeah, I can agree and disagree with certain sides of of certain political backings, but I just want the best. I just right. want us to be the best. And, you know, I'll step away from all political sides. That way I can point fingers at both and be like, right. you're both right. messing this up. Yeah. Knock it well, off. Please, please stop. Listen, just win. Success is success in, in politics. It, it, and to make everybody happy, you have to have a mixture of the best of both worlds. You can't, mm-hmm. you're not going to have like one party's things can't be a whole. Yeah. It's, it's they, they can't get it all right. There's no right. way they can possibly get them all right. And, and to that whole analogy of, of divorcing a football team, for example, or divorcing sports teams so that you can enjoy the whole game. It's the same. It's the same type of logic. If you want to enjoy the whole sport and, and root for the underdogs, for example, you can't do that if you're just rooting for one team all the time. You can't go root for the opposition. You can't root for another team that's completely unrelated. I'll tell you, I had a similar revelation 
years ago that if, if if you look at how much it costs to go to a football game or a baseball game, you're paying for tickets, you're paying for food. I'm buying a jersey for a hundred plus dollars. I just bought my son a Reds jersey for a, a Joey Votto who's played for the Reds forever. Yeah. So he's a you know he's a staple of the community. But he you know my son was asking for like the Castellanos jersey. I was like that guy might not be here next year. It's the same if you look at all the money you spend on season tickets. I used to have Bengals season tickets. If you did that type of investment for any other failing business, you'd be called a fool. If you were like, I'm going to McDonald's and I'm going to spend $400 on a meal and they screwed it up 100% of the time or or didn't do their job or just didn't simply did not deliver you your food. If you went to a car dealership and said, I'm going to pay $30,000 for this car that only has two and a half wheels, no steering wheel, no windshield, and the damn thing doesn't start, you're called a fool. It's a terrible investment. And the same logic should be applied to sports teams. If they're simply, if they're managers and the people that are benefiting the most, the people that are making all the profit off this, mm-hmm. if they're not going to do right by their consumer or their customer, then we shouldn't be spending our money there. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you said a family business. So like if you paid a $500 a year membership to Blockbuster and said, this is how I will, will intake all of my entertainment. I will yep. go there and pick up a disc or a tape and bring it home and view it that way. Uh, with all the other options that are out there, right. people would go, what in God's name is wrong with you? Yeah, that's like, stupid. You, you paid $500 a year, so you can just walk in and get whatever disc or tape you want at any time. Right. And then dry, like you can just sit on your couch and push this button. And that right. same uh, feature film is now on your television. <laughs> right. <laughs> it took right. time to do it. You know, and it doesn't cost you $500 a year. Yeah, well, and, and to that point, Blockbuster went out of business because it simply could not keep up with technological yeah. advances. It didn't keep its customers happy, and people stopped spending money there. And Netflix took over, and and now you've got all these streaming services. But, but to that point, it was diversification of resources and diversi- diversification of offerings. Back to the, I think the the whole point we 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 made here was that uh, in politics, for example, nobody's going to get it done by doing everything one way. It simply doesn't work that way we've decided that we all have to take a side somewhere. And I think you're right, Tim. I like to be kind of on the fence or, or more apolitical versus on the fence, maybe under the fence. So I can sit there and say, uh, I, I like this and I like this. Unfortunately, our system doesn't work that way. It's yeah. it's sort of you have to vote or you are pressured into voting one certain way or the other. But that same logic, again, doesn't work anywhere else in the world. Well, it's, it's like um, you brought up the fence. It's <laughs> Dave, you're right. Blockbuster, blockbuster. Uh, is it, it is an old reference. Yes, uh, there there are young people out there. Some twenty five year old is listening. Like I don't understand what that means. Uh, yeah, you have the two political parties, and you broke the fence. They're they're standing on each side of the fence, yelling back and forth at each other. Nothing's getting accomplished. Uh, I like to stand out there on the sidewalk, and I can look down both sides of the fence and be, you're being idiotic, and then lean over the other side. You're also being idiotic. Yeah. Can we please just get along? Because if we uh, if we work together, but this fence goes. Uh, you know, gets built right, right quick, you know. And if you can convince other people that that's the way to be instead of just being on one side or the other, yeah. the world will be a better place. And yeah. I, I do think, by the way, I think I know we're way off the top. We've jumped around from topic mm-hmm. to topic here. But I do think politically in the United States, I do think that there are a lot more middle ground people than we think there are. Yeah. I think media and social media makes us think that everybody has chosen a side. And I think constituents of of politicians do pick that side. They do subscribe to what we would call hot button issues. Like 
if I want guns and I'm absolutely diehard pro Second Amendment and I don't want any restrictions on those, then absolutely I'm probably going to vote one way or the other. That's one hot button issue out of thousands or millions of potential issues, right? So there are those people. But, you know, if, if again, if politicians could meet in the middle and kind of go, hey, listen, I'm not going to take your guns, but I do want this other thing that's typically, you know, the, the, the pro-gun guy also doesn't want this, but I do want it. Perhaps people could become a little bit more flexible and say, oh, yeah, that might work. That might actually yeah. be a good thing for us. Yeah. Uh, anybody, anytime I hear the words hard uh, party line, I I absolutely I cringe because that means you're simply following what other people in your chosen party have decided they want to to pursue, and that's it's just not a good thing to to, or, to just be. Or, yeah, or or what they've prescribed for you to follow. Yes, and, and, and that's, that's the other thing. You're 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 no longer thinking for yourself at that yeah. point. You're doing exactly what they're asking you to a, do. A hard party line that that quote there just always gets me. And yep. to that Second Amendment person, um, I know. In your in everybody's mind, in the mind's eye, you might picture the Republicans. Possibly, it could be Republicans. Uh, I would say, um, just you know, do some research on the Libertarian Party. If you're really, you know, yeah. a pro Second Amendment type, you want no restrictions on. Just there's other options out there, and I right. bet you'd be surprised at how um, open to the Second Amendment the Libertarian Party is. Right, right. Well, I, I'd even say in, the, in that argument, uh, you've got plenty. I mean. The, the, Plenty of people on on both sides across mm-hmm. all American spectrums own guns. Mm-hmm. It's not it's yeah. not one side. The, yeah. the media will have you think it's just yeah. one side. It is it, it is everybody. And Matt, you, you said there's there's more people than we probably imagine are sitting somewhere in that middle ground. Uh, the, the reality, especially with social media now, is the loudest voices get heard. So those people that are walking that you know party line on both sides are the ones that are going to sit there and scream the loudest for those candidates. So you have the the staunch Republicans, the staunch Democrats, and they're just both screaming right into this open ether that is social media. Yep. And those are the individuals that keep you know popping up on your timeline. Yeah. And that's all you're getting fed. So you, you know, it makes the people in the middle, which I would like to think is the majority. Um go, what oh, the yeah. hell is wrong? It, and that's what the news reports. If it bleeds, it yes. bleeds. The, the news reports. The news isn't reporting Tim Keller who's sitting on the fence. Uh, yeah. You know, kind of you know, poking saying, fun hey, at both really sides sure. because they're both acting like children. <laughs> the news wants the extremists. That's what yeah. sells. That's what people want to watch. I mean, that's that's the whole basis of like social media, like TikTok and Instagram. It, it's not. I, I'm not going to video. I'm not going to live stream myself sitting at my desk answering emails. That's boring. You want to see me live streaming, like going down the sidewalk on my skateboard and crashing into a tree? Yeah, because it's. Want- we want Matt that is sitting in his office slamming his keyboard into his monitor because something went wrong. Right. His internet went out. And now he's just spazzing out and right. throwing his keyboard across the room. And yeah, that's it, the video everyone wants to see. Because people want to see the person like, oh, that's what I want to do, but I'll never do it. Yeah, but, but that's what that, that's that's what I want to do. People want <laughs> to see that. I, I always tell my wife, people are bored. Uh, people in general are bored. We're very safe. We don't have to fight for our food anymore. Mm-hmm. We don't have to. We don't have to protect our homes necessarily. We're not. We're not running from lions and you know animals in the woods in some cases, depending on where you live, but we are bored. And if you look at most of the world or a lot of the world, people have to go fend for themselves. They have to go fight and struggle. There is scarcity. That's how animals live in general. They're always trying to survive, and that occupies their brain, that survival instinct. Humans have lost that, and so we're bored, and we're looking for ways to entertain ourselves. We have an advanced brain. We're smart, intelligent beings. And we're we're using that to watch videos of kittens on TV and politicians yelling at each other about how they can make our lives better. 
or take more of our money or take less of our money or uh, you know yeah, what I mean? Whatever, yeah. Because and then we want to be part of that that argument because it causes it gives us a purpose. It, and now when I can go on social media and I can yell at other people because of what I believe in, that's my purpose because I was otherwise bored. I had nothing else to do mm-hmm. a minute ago, you know. So I, I always tell my wife that that's that's why you see this stuff on the news. She'll be like, "Why would this guy walk into a grocery store and start sh- shooting at people?" And I'm like, "You're going to see that on the news first of all, but you can't answer why that person did that." Yeah. You, there's no way to explain that in a rational, sane way. You can't answer it. People are, you know, we're um, we're losing it in some cases because we're we're bored and or occupied and or becoming extremists to our the values that we've been fed, and it's uh, it's crazy. It's it's nuts. Uh, real, real quick before we get out of here, uh, you've seen the movie Taken, correct? Uh huh. Yeah. Have you heard about the story out of Spokane, Washington? No. Is this recent? Uh, yes. Um, so just real quick synopsis. Uh, 60-year-old father has a, a daughter dating another young man. The young man sells his daughter into a trafficking yep. ring in the Seattle area. The gentleman goes and rescues his daughter within the next month, uh, gets information. He gets intel as to where this young man is going to be, uh, finds the young man, and abducts him. I'll let you folks go out there and find the article and read what happens beyond there. But uh, very similar to a movie most of us have all seen, the movie Taken. He he collects his daughter back and then, um, you know, vengeance vengeance is served. Uh, the gentleman is being held on a $1 million bond. So it's, uh, I guess, what, the 10% would be 100000 of that. Um, you know, I, I sent the article to my wife yesterday and I just let her know, listen, if something were to ever happen to one of our girls, I would fully expect for me to take a very similar photo in a uh, Department of Corrections outfit uh, very shortly afterwards. I'd like to think I'd be able to collect my my children back uh, to safety. Um, But yeah, I would would find a way to uh, seek vengeance. This is not the first time we've seen this in the news. This is is not uncommon. These stories probably don't get as much publicity as they as they should there was one from the 80s where something similar happened and the gentleman was waiting at the phone bank in the airport when they were when the marshals yeah. were bringing the yep. guy back live through. on tv yep drops the phone and turns around and shoots the guy and he got five years of probation and that's it and the reason for that was when they went to court the jury basically said or the jury instructions and this is how the precedent of the law works that if other reasonable people or if any reasonable person would have done the same thing then it's not a crime or something mm-hmm. i forget how the but yeah. that's basically how a jury works. Is this a reasonable reaction to what happened? Was this was his actions reasonable? And the jury, and, and I think the criminal justice element and the public in general agreed this was reasonable. Mm-hmm. That this is what a, a dad should do, you know. And I, I have to side with that logic. I, I am. If you go and look at this story and find out what what exactly he did, I I don't want to say maybe this is completely reasonable. But similar actions, I think, you know, have been taken in the past and, you know. Uh, yeah. It's, and it's it, it's not an encouragement of violence. It's just yeah. really like what would what would any person, any, any mom or dad do to protect or avenge a, a violent, a, yeah. a violent or, mis, you know, physical misdoing against their child. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's the question you have to answer at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's a little bit of homework for everybody. Uh, next week. Uh, I'm looking forward to this episode. It is the Marine Corps birthday on November 10th. 
also want to, you know, talk about a little bit of Veterans Day stuff. Always uh, some good Veterans Day deals out there if you're looking for a, a meal or a free coffee or, you know, whatever it is. Or maybe there's discounts at your favorite store. Uh, you know, so we'll bring some of those up next week. But, uh, you know, thank you, everybody, for checking us out. Uh, big day on social media. If you don't follow us on social media, check us out. We're on all the major social media platforms. Post stuff up there. Have a little fun on social media. Try to interact with you folks as much as possible. We appreciate the heck out of you. And uh, if you're listening to us on YouTube, we also have the audio version on podcast. We are on all major podcast platforms. We go live every week. Uh, we live uh, in, in, you know, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for here, but we live forever on YouTube. These videos go up on YouTube and they'll be there, uh, you know, on a, on a server somewhere long after civilization's gone. Uh, so maybe, you know, the, the, the aliens will see us and check us out and we'll be even more famous than we are now. The aliens will absolutely love us. I I, I don't yeah, doubt that one. I'm sure. Bit. Yeah, sure. So. But yeah, uh, check us out on all the major social media platforms, all the major podcast platforms. And until next week, we'll be right back here on Beyond the Wire.